0: Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. Have you ever gotten angry at a friend? Have you ever felt betrayed by a friend?
1: Has competition played a role in any friendship that you've had? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you'll want to hear what our next guest, psychotherapist Diane Barth, has to say. Diane's latest book is called I Know How You Feel, The
0: Joy and Heartbreak of Friendship in Women's Lives. And Diane has been with us before talking about friendship, and we only really scratched the surface. So we wanted to hear more about some of the other issues related to friendships that we didn't get into before. Diane, thanks so much for joining us again.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. What are
0: some of the interesting things people have said to you as you've done interviews and book signings in connection with your new book on friendship?
2: Well um that's a really great question actually I've gotten a lot of um people saying that oh I recognize myself in there um that they they have continued the theme that that you all just mentioned which is that um we really don't Learn growing up how to have some of our more difficult feelings with our friends. So um, people have talked about not knowing how to talk about being angry or deal with anger in a friendship or deal with disappointment. Um, I was talking to one woman who who was saying that um, a friend. Of, and I'm sorry, in competition, of course, is a major one. So I was talking to one woman who was saying that a friend was. Um, um, had gone behind her back to compete for a job that, um, that she had been going for and that her friend knew was something that she really wanted. So she, she sort of got a, a triple whammy. She got hit by um, feeling betrayed by her friend, feeling really, really disappointed, um, feeling hurt and angry, and also um, feeling like, is this really what competition is about?
1: Well, what challenges arise when a person gets a promotion or makes more money than their friend does?
2: That's a really big one. That's, it, it's not always just about making money. It's about getting, and because sometimes people make more money than their friends do, and it's no big deal at all. But it's the feeling of, um, at least what I've heard a lot of, is it's the feeling of getting something that um, they feel makes them superior. Or that the, or that if it's you know if it's you or me that we feel makes our friend superior to us, and and that's where you get into troubles because friendships are um, they're not always between people of the same age, they're not always between people who are equals in you know on paper, but there needs to be some sort of sense of of equality, and when one person starts to feel superior to the other, or one person starts to feel inferior to the other that's when um, they start to have problems.
0: Can competition be a good
2: thing in friendships? I think so. I think so. I I have a friend who um, I think epitomizes the, the the best part of competition in a friendship. So she and I are, are quite competitive and um, we like to say that uh, we push each other to do better than our best, that we um, we admire each other that we want each other's approval uh, and admiration and that we also (laughs) we want to do better we want to beat each other and um the thing about it is that and i and i really attribute this to her because she was really open about it um she's completely comfortable with this. It's like for her, I think she had um, several brothers growing up and, and, um, and, but she also has a sister. So she, anyway, she learned to compete openly and freely and that it wasn't a bad thing and it wasn't a bad thing to either win or lose. So, um, if she wins and I say, um, Gee, I'm really jealous of you. She says, "Yeah, I can understand that."
1: Make <laughs> <laughs> make the situation funny and it and it helps a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. What are some things that you can do if you're sensing that you and a close friend are drifting apart?
2: Yeah, that's a really hard one. I mean, um The best, the first thing, the best thing I think is to talk about it, that, that um, there, I was just reading um, some, some new um, neuroscience research that, that um, puts into words something that, that therapists know and believe, but, and that you all probably have experienced also, but that, um, that when we put things into words, when we name our feelings to another person, even if nothing else changes, it changes, actually changes something in our brain so that we have a different way of handling it um it it activates a different part of the brain and it gets um different um <laughs> i'm i'm i don't think they're really called juices but that, to me that's what you know <laughs> it's right. it juices going right yeah um and so uh, the first thing to me is always to try to figure out for yourself what's going on and then to try to talk with a friend about it
1: is it a bad idea to just try and ignore the whole issue that might be underlying here and just go with trying to make plans and act like things are normal?
2: I don't think it's a bad idea. It depends on what really works for you. Um, and maybe I maybe I gave this example um, when we were talking before, but sometimes people really are not comfortable talking about feelings, and sometimes they um, they need to... Just let time go by, and so there's uh, there's a great um, uh, Sue Grafton novel, uh, you know, detective part of her detective series with uh, Kinsey Milhone, who's the detective in her series, saying that she and her friend had a big falling out, and that her belief is you don't talk about it, you just uh move forward, you keep going, exactly what you just said, Laura, you keep going as though everything's exactly the same, and you make plans, and eventually either uh, you'll find a way to talk about it if you need to, or it'll just blow over. And, and for some people, and sometimes I think that's absolutely fine, for other people and at other times, or if it doesn't blow over, um, then I think you have to find a way to talk about it.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit more about anger in friendships because it strikes me that anger can crop up in just about any relationship we have in life, whether it's with family, at work, or with friends.
2: But yes, for how, sure.
0: But how is anger between friends different than anger between family members or coworkers? I mean, isn't there more pressure on us to resolve anger among family or coworkers than there is to resolve it among friends?
2: I think you're absolutely right. I think that's that's for sure. And and on the other hand, there's a bigger stake. Not really, but at least, you know, concretely, there's a bigger stake um, at um, not resolving it with family or friends. Because family, um, you know, we figure they're in our lives permanently. And if we don't resolve something that's really upsetting us between us and a family member, it's that's really, really disruptive. Although some people... You know that is how they work it out. They, they end up not working it out and and disconnect from their families altogether. With with work things, I think that you know the, the part of the issue is that you want to um, uh, it, you want to resolve things with your colleagues or you want to smooth them over and you don't have to really resolve them in the same way um, because you've got a you've got a goal. You've got a specific task that you're working on or you've got, um, it's, your, it's your job and you don't want to um, have it be messed up. So there's both pressure to resolve it and also pressure to somehow move past it. With friends, we have this feeling with friends that, you know, well, we can let it go. And, and if it's not, if, if, if we really just can't talk about the friendship, the, sorry, the issue, then we, we can just let it go. So I, I do. I think that is one of the issues.
0: Meaning, maybe the friendship will just end.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's one of the things you asked me about. Uh, what people have talked about while I've been on the book tour. Um, that's one of the things I've heard a lot. Is um, that that so many people have friendships that have just sort of faded away, partly because they either they were angry or they thought the friend was angry at them, and um, they didn't have a way of talking about it.
1: And, you know, something that I think is really interesting relating to that is I've noticed with some of my friends that I've had since high school or even before that I felt I had a close relationship to that a lot of our talking has really just gone to liking each other's posts on Instagram. And then you realize like. Hey, I, I call up the conversation with them and and we haven't talked in six months, but it feels like you've been kind of connected. And then when you do connect again, there's somewhat of a disconnect. So I don't know if that's really anybody's fault, but it's just something that I've noticed lately.
2: Yeah. And so tell me what you have done with that. Have you actually, have you talked to any of these people about it or or have you um, have you found a way to go, get past the disconnect? Well, it's interesting
1: that you say that because I actually noticed it last night with a friend of mine um, who I've known for a really long time, and she always likes my posts. I always like her posts. And then I just thought to write her and, you know, see if we could get together. And she pretty much put me off and was like, oh, well, why don't you... talk to me in a couple months i'm really busy the next couple months and wow. i was Whoa. right i know I, w- I was really surprised and it's yeah. somebody who had been one of my best friends um huh. and i just thought back and thought well you know gosh it doesn't seem like i've been removed from her we never had a big issue um but you know i guess it it goes to show that with technology and all the great things that have come of it and how it's made some acquaintances closer to us that you have some friends like this who who go from being close to you to So I guess just being in that acquaintance category. So I don't know how that's all going to go down. And I tried to move up the plans from a couple of months from now to the next week. But so far, I haven't had a response. So
2: stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask you another question about it? It, it, Does she have young children? She does not. Okay. And does she have a job or or a partner who takes a lot of time? She does have
1: a job. Um, she She's engaged right now. So, I mean, I know that's taking up a lot of her time, but that's also yes. something that I would like to be involved in. And, you know, yes. I don't know how how much this would impact our personal friendship, but we'd been part of a group of four friends that I guess all of us sort of drifted apart over the years, and it's kind of switched to individual friendships um, from that oh, grouping of four to these individual friendships. And yeah. it's, it's kind of like as different feuds evolved within that group you know we we ended up all kind of drifting apart
2: yeah so there there have you so there are subgroups of the group that sort of stay together but but uh, in gen, but the group itself doesn't exist anymore or right uh, right yeah. and even
1: within yeah. that group the subgroupings have changed it yeah.
2: it's been interesting <laughs> to see over the years
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, with only four people Right. Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of movement, but but that is that's so that is another one of the things that I've learned. Actually, you've touched on so many of the things that that I've learned, and that's a great example. So, so first of all, that in fact our friendships do change over the years. That 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 those really close connections, even in the days before any kind of um, social media, but even but also now w- with those kinds of casual contacts, they still change. And we don't always recognize it right away um one of the things that I hear about how how relationships change is I've heard this from a whole lot of different angles, which is why I asked you about the about children is that um women who um are you know involved in having children and having families or involved in a new relationship often sort of i mean it's an old joke, but it's not so funny, but they often do drop their. Um, their friendships. And sometimes it's because they're so busy. And sometimes it's because their new boyfriend or girlfriend is um, jealous of their friends. Um, And sometimes it's because they don't really have the time or the wherewithal to integrate old friends into this new relationship. Uh, And sometimes it's about work. But the thing that I thought was really interesting was that many, many, many different women would say to me, you know, I have been um, I've been very involved with my family. I have no time. I'm I'm working and trying to bring up children and dealing with, you know, trying to have a relationship with my husband. And um, I don't have time for my friends. My friends must all hate me. And, and then I would talk to somebody who's older, who would say, I really would like to reconnect with my friends, but I didn't have time. I was so involved with my family or with my work or with my career or whatever that I didn't, um, I didn't stay in touch and they probably all hate me. And then, um, I heard this wonderful story from one woman who was saying that, and she said, so she contacted a friend and she said, do you, you know, I am really embarrassed, but I really would love to get together with you. And the friend said, Oh my goodness, I've been thinking about you. And I um, feel so badly. I've been a terrible friend. I've just been so involved with my, you know, life with the career and the, you know, family and whatever that I haven't stayed in touch with anybody. And I know you must hate me. And so it's like, everybody's got this feeling that the other people are, you know, think that they're terrible people, but, um, I think part of the struggle for women is and I actually think this is for men also is can we find a way to ride some of these um shifts that happen in our friendships in with the with the people who we care about with the ones who are somebody we might want to stay friends with and that's another whole subject about you know there are some people we don't want to be stay friends with yeah. but can we ride those changes till we get to a place where we're um, where we're, you know, able to reconnect.
0: Our Nobody Told Me conversation continues as we share some information with you about our sponsor, Air MedCare Network. If a medical emergency arises, are you prepared? Air MedCare Network provides world-class air transport services to the nearest appropriate hospital or trauma center. AMCN members have the added value of knowing their flight expenses are completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. We've mentioned AirMedCare Network on this podcast before, but we may not have highlighted how affordable this membership is. For as little as $85 a year, it covers your entire household every day, 24-7, even when traveling. AMCN is the largest medical air transport membership in the country, covering 38 states. For just pennies a day, you can worry less about what matters most. This is security no family should be without. And now, as a Nobody Told Me listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com nobody and use offer code nobody. That's airmedcarenetwork.com slash nobody. Offer code nobody. Again, that's com slash nobody, offer code nobody. You know, Diane, you did a recent blog for Psychology Today pointing out research showing that our number of friends peaks in our early 20s. Yes. And yes. declines after that. Was
2: that a surprise yes. to you? Um It it actually was, and I don't know whether, uh, you know, I don't know how far they went on this research, because certainly I I have seen that our friendships change. So we have a cluster of friends in college. Um, In our 20s, late 20s, 30s, we have a different group of friends by the time we're in our 40s. Many people have like one friend or two friends left from college, but then other friends, uh, you know, and then... What it looked to me, and of course, my research is not um, quantitative, so I can't, <laughs> I can't say statistically I found, you know, well, this is what happened, but it looked to me like when women got into their late 50s and early 60s, they started making more friends. And so I'm not sure that I, that I buy that research, but certainly I think that friendships change. Uh, the, the number of friendships and the types of friendships uh, that we have changed over the years.
1: And what if you're just moving to a new city, how do you make new friends?
2: Yeah, that's I I did a blog on that one also. <laughs> I, I think that that's so important and it's and it's really interesting what I learned is that um the best way to make new friends is actually to do activities. And I learned this from um a young um co- recent college grad who said to me that she had um, she had moved to a new town. She had no friends. She liked the people at work, but she wasn't exactly becoming best buddies with anybody. And she said, and she missed her college friends really, really badly. And she said to herself, um, what did I do before I, and what did I do my first year of college to- before I knew my friends? How did I get to know people? And she realized that what she had done was activities. So she went to, and I have a whole list of these um, uh, different sites in, in uh, I Know How You Feel. Um, she went to meetup.com and various and sundry other online meetup. Um, kinds of groups and found activities that she wanted to do, and she so she said she did beer tasting and she did um, acro yoga and a little skydiving. I mean, it's just all sorts of different things, and um, started to meet people and developed a whole new group of friends that way. You know, you don't have to do anything that dramatic. You can join a book group. You can uh, another woman. Uh, told me about having moved to a new community and, um, again, not knowing anybody. And um, she had been used to, when she went out to walk her dog in her old community, she would run into people she knew and lots of, you know, friendly faces. And this community was very, very um, unfriendly. And she got um, a message about uh, some kind of community activities and she thought, you know, I'm really not going to do any community activities in this, in this community because everybody's so unfriendly. <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, but somebody she was out walking her dog one day and one woman stopped her and said, you know, introduced herself and said, you should come with us. And she said um, she told her that she had felt that people weren't very friendly. And the woman said, no, they're shy. And there, huh. it's hard for them to get to know new people, but come, we're, we have a walking group, come to the walking group. And, and the woman who was talking to me said, but I don't like to walk. <laughs> 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 <Okay>. <laughs> Most of the people in the group don't like to walk, but come and you'll meet people. Anyway, she, had, she did that and started um, and found out that, in fact, this was a very active, interesting community once you sort of got into it and and broke through it. And so rather you know, it was actually really interesting that rather than being snobs, these people were were shy. I mean, they were just they were not the kind of people who reach out.
0: Yeah. You know, Diane, I know one of the areas you're very interested in is how women's friendships are different from men's. And I was telling my husband this morning that you and I were going to be talking about this with Laura today and that you felt that uh, women's friendships were different than men's. And my husband said, boy, are they. You know, men really cut to the chase. Men, Men don't have any problem being brutally honest with their friends. Men don't talk as much as women do. And he went on and on and on about how <laughs> men are different than women. Can you share some of your observations with us in terms of how men's friendships with other men are different than women's friendships with women?
2: Well, actually, um, I have to sort of uh, change my tune a little bit <laughs> because I I have begun to think that there may not be quite as many differences as we think. On the surface, there seem to be some significant differences. There seem to be women do seem to talk more than men do. Women seem to talk more about feelings or um, also about sort of small details of life. Um, my husband says, um, when I get together with my friends, we talk about people. When he gets together with his friends, they talk about sports. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, sports and politics, actually. Sure. Sure. Um, so, so there are differences in sort of how we, um, connect. My husband also says, you know, uh, I will call, um, I'll pick up the phone to call a friend um, just to see how she's doing, or I'll text somebody or I'll email her just to see how she's doing. He has to have a reason to call somebody. So, um, you know, either it has to be um, one of their, the teams that they follow lost or won, and so he can call them for that or something. But he doesn't feel like he can just call and, and say, you know, just checking in, how are you
1: doing? Why is that? Um, They just don't want to seem less masculine? Is is that a concern? I
2: I don't think they're used to talking about feelings. So that's one of the big differences, right? I think that men don't generally talk about feelings. So it would be weird to say, well, I'm checking to see how you're doing because (laughs) the guy would say, I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah. And how about those (laughs) meds? Right. Exactly. Exactly. But um, the more people I've talked to, and I'm actually, I'm still, I'm gathering information on this because I think this is such an interesting question. But the more people I talk to, the more I start to think that although we do it differently, um, there's something at at the core that's really, really um, similar. That that there's a connection. Um One man was telling me about a men's group that he's in, and that it, he's been in this for thirty years and and that he you know, the guys have really become friends. I mean, they do things together outside of the group and they um, it is really a place where they feel connected and um, um, understood and recognized, and they also use each other to help each other deal with difficult things in their lives. They probably don't talk about the things the way women do, but they do struggle with some of the stuff. And I, I, you know, I'm not so sure I agree with your husband that men always cut to the chase. I think, um, they can be more direct, but they don't always get to some of the things that we get to indirectly. So I, you know, I think it's a little, it's more complicated than just that we're completely different. We're we're different, but we all still are dealing with human feelings. What and are the, human connectedness?
1: What are the main differences in terms of how men deal with conflict within a friendship versus women?
2: Well, you know, again, um, that's a great question, and I'm just sort of starting to to pursue it. Um, I think that some men. Uh, deal with conflict directly. And some men uh, deal with it by ignoring it. Um, Just like I think some women are are better at dealing with conflict. I think women are are less comfortable still um, dealing with conflict directly. Um, So that that may be a major difference.
0: What suggestions do you have for dealing with a friend who may be bossy or Narcissistic, or really have some characteristics that you don't have, and don't like and that you don't
2: like.
1: <laughs> <I> yes. <guess. laughs> Why are you their friend in the first place? <laughs> well,
0: that's true. But you know, sometimes you know a, a little difference. You you think, hey, that's kind of interesting for a while, and then after after a while, you say, oh, the charm person, wears off. Mm-hmm, they're a little too bossy for me, or whatever, or materialistic.
2: Yeah. Or or sometimes people um, have really wonderful qualities, but. Uh, they also have really terrible qualities. Yeah. So um, I I think there are a lot of different ways of dealing with it. I I, <laughs> I was talking to one woman who said that she had um, she had a really really good friend who she had been friends with that she was this woman was I think in her late sixties early seventies and she said they'd been friends since they were fifteen and um, that the friend had always been kind of bossy. But, you know, she could boss her back or she could ignore her or she could do what she said. I mean, she she didn't feel like she had to always do exactly what she said. But um, recently, I mean, within the past year, the friend had gotten um, really – mean and pushy and obnoxious and she they were part of a group of friends and the other women in the group were complaining and complaining and, and told this woman that she needed to go deal with this friend um because she's the one who had known her longest and she needed to and she was the one who could talk to her directly so she actually went and talked to her and she realized as she was talking to her that the problem or the a problem was that this friend couldn't hear oh, and she wow. said to her yeah so she said to her listen i love you and you know we've been friends for a very long time but you're getting really obnoxious and i think it's cuz you can't hear and I think it's really bugging you. And stop being so vain and go get your hearing checked. And the woman w- left in a huff and was very upset with her. But maybe three or four weeks later, came back to her and said, you were right. I've got hearing aids and I am feeling so much better.
1: Wow. Kind of yeah. a surprising end to that yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you wrote about disappointment recently in your Psychology Today blog and how most of us truly try to avoid situations where we might be disappointed. Yeah. If we do something that disappoints a friend, are we possibly killing that relationship?
2: Well, that's a great question. The You know, uh, possibly, but my goodness, if we don't do something that, that disappoints a friend at some time or another, you got to ask what that means about the friendship also. Um I I think that uh you know we all get disappointed sometime or another and we all disappoint ourselves and we disappoint our friends and I think that um if you I mean it, it, a, a solid friendship should be able to work through a disappointment if the disappointment isn't work throughable. I I don't think that was decent English, but you know I, what I mean? I understood. I yeah. got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I I think then, um, I mean, I, in the Psychology of the Day blog, I gave an example of, of a disappointment that two friends couldn't work through. But I think that it, It's usually more complicated than – in other words, sorry. What I'm thinking is I don't think that we should all walk around worrying about disappointing our friends. I think that we should know that we probably will disappoint them at some time or another, and they'll disappoint us, and try to find ways to – Sort of be prepared for that, so actually one of the things that um, I talk about in the in the blog is that uh, if you're so afraid of disappointment that you don't do anything you um, the, it's a really good exercise to go out and and try being disappointed <laughs> so you know try, yeah. uh, I mean, the example I use in the blog is to try a new coffee place because you might be dis- you might like the coffee but you might be disappointed in it but do things that that sort of help you experience the disappointment so I actually think with friends that um there's something we do as therapists that that we call helping people learn to anticipate difficulties um and which is to start to talk about something that we think might uh be a problem that that they're not noticing or not paying attention to not that it means that they have to do something different but that they that being prepared for the possibility Um, can help them deal with it if it does come up. So I'm almost tempted to say I think this would be kind of weird, but wouldn't it be interesting to talk with a friend about the possibility that we might disappoint each other at some point and how we would deal with that before we actually ever do it?
1: I mean, it's a good idea. It's yeah. certainly a good yeah. idea. Yeah. I, I've never thought of that. I, I wonder yeah, how that either. conversation <laughs> would go down. <laughs> yeah,
0: <really. laughs> Maybe it would depend upon the friend you were saying Right, to. But, but yeah. you're also
1: kind of saying, I'm sure I'll be a bad friend at some point.
0: Yeah, And yeah. you also don't and want them to we... expect
1: to, that they're going to be disappointed because then maybe they'll just go hang out with other friends.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> <know>. that's true. <laughs> yeah, but I maybe you would put it slightly differently that, you know, I was, just ha- I was just thinking about this idea that maybe we will disappoint each other and how would we deal with that? Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, Diane, you know our show is called Nobody Told Me and we always ask what's your nobody told me lesson. And I'm just wondering, as you have... Written about friendship, you've done so much research on it. You've talked to so many people in your private practice, and also i'm I'm sure at your book signings and and in the interviews, what's your nobody told me lesson for us today about about friendship?
2: Um, the nobody told me lesson that I keep having as a takeaway from from all of this research and everything that everybody tells me is how many of us think that we're bad friends and and you know how many of us think we don't know how to be friends and it seems to me that if if we're all thinking that that we it, it, we need to rethink what that what we think friendship is um that maybe i mean i think it's all of what we've been talking about tonight that maybe um friendships are more complicated than we think they are. Maybe there needs to be room in friendships. I mean, what you were saying, Laura, maybe we need to have room for being able, for for talking about the possibility that we might not be the best kind of friends with each other. And can we still be friends? Or also not having those conversations and dealing with disappointment or, um, anger or competitive feelings in friendships without feeling like that has to be the end of the friendship. Cause we've got this idea that friendships are supposed to be somehow all, you know, beautiful and connected and loving.
1: Right. Right. Well, Diane, we want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Your latest book is called I Know How You Feel, The Joy and Heartbreak of Friendship in Women's Lives. And we're looking forward to hearing what you have to say about men's friendships in the future. We're very much looking forward to talking with you then. And her latest blogs can be found at psychologytoday.com. Her website is diannebarth.net. You've been listening to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura
0: Owens. And I'm Jan Black. Thank you for joining us.